Welcome. This is Jeremy and Kristen with The Homegrown Family, and today we're going to be talking about raising boys. So we have three boys. Levi is 18, Noah is almost 15 at the time of this recording, and Payson's seven. So Jerem, tell us a little bit about what you think the role of dad is and how that's changed between our 18-year-old down to our seven-year-old over the years. Yeah, so like a lot of guys, I think when we started to think about having children, I was hoping for, well, honestly, I was hoping for both a boy and a girl, and God's uh, blessed us with obviously both. Having a boy first, you know, my idea of what dad was back, you know, 18 or 19 years ago when Kristen was pregnant has evolved over over those 19 years for sure. Initially, I saw myself as sort of a provider. Um, I looked forward to doing some fun things with Levi over the years. I was big into scouting when I was a kid and was hoping to be able to had visions of taking him camping and uh, maybe playing soccer because that was my thing when I was a kid. And, you know, to be quite honest, uh, I didn't really contemplate too much my role as a faith builder in him other than, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lead the family and take us to church and, and he's going to get a good, solid faith foundation through church. And over the 18 years of his life and then having two more sons, my view of fatherhood has definitely evolved. And that's been due to a combination of just life experience, experiencing life with these boys, as well as uh, training that I've gotten over the years from how to discipline and raise young children to how to interact appropriately with the middle years and then how to begin to transition the relationship into a more sort of peer it's not you're never their peer you're always going to be their parents but an adult relationship and change my attitudes towards uh, how I interact with them and listen to them and the uh, way that I just am willing to take the information they have to be called out by them uh, from time to time on things that I've done wrong and to ask for forgiveness and things like that. And and I would say um, I'm, I've got a far more comprehensive view on fatherhood than I did 18 years ago. So Kristen, why don't you talk a little bit about how the relationship of boys with their moms evolves from birth to, let's say, 18, because that's what I, we have experience with. Yeah, so obviously when the the boys are babies, they're very much attached to mom. And I felt like when the boys were born, you know, the mama's boys is a real thing. And, you know, my boys ran to me before they would run to Jeremy if they fell or they got hurt or they needed somebody or even when they were babies crying you know, boys want their mom. And we like that as moms to be needed. And there's a special place in our heart for boys. And we want our boys to need us. But there's a natural evolution of them identifying more with dad as they get older. And moms, we really need to be willing to let our boys go and identify with their dads and allow them to be men. And I think this is a whole topic in our culture of boys not being allowed to be men. And I think this is part of it is moms sort of holding on to their boys too much. And so I think 
when they're little. I mean, even last night, pacing crawled up in my lap and I looked at Jeremy and I was like, I never know when it's going to be the last because he's seven. How long is my little boy going to crawl up in my lap and like kiss my cheek and say he loves me and wants me to hold him? Because I have a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old that are certainly not crawling up in my lap. And the thing is, you don't know when it's the last. I don't know when the last time was that they crawled up in my lap or they needed me, needed me in that aspect of, you know, kissing that their wounds and crying to me and sitting in my lap. But I think in the, you know, the, the later elementary years, middle school years, they start to identify more with dad and it can feel a little hurtful, I guess, as moms that now they're, they're wanting to ask dad questions and they're wanting to be more like dad. And it sort of leaves us wondering, all right, what's our role? Well, we're still their moms. Like it is still our job to discipline them. It is still our job to influence them. We're obviously going to be there for them. We're doing all the behind the scenes work. That's pretty, a pretty thankless job of, you know, organizing their birthday parties and packing their lunches and um, organizing play dates and, getting them clothes and making supper and all those things that we're providing for them. And then as they get older into high school and college, my role changes more as they are developing their own faith and their own worldviews. And now I feel like with Levi, we're just as much friends as being the parent of an adult who's influencing him. And he still calls. They still need you. He still calls and says, hey, mom, um, I'm going to something tonight. And he took a, he takes a picture of himself. Does this shirt match these pants? Hey, mom, can I, can I wash this shirt with this load of laundry? Or, you know, they, they're still going to ask you questions. And I find with the boys, even more than the girls, we'll do a different episode on the girls. And I have a very special relationship with my girls in a different way. But I find with my my teen boys that it is really easy to uh, joke around with them and have a lot of fun with them more than my girls in the teen stage because girls and moms have their own set of problems, I feel like, more in the high school years. And we'll talk about that a different time. But I find that my boys in high school have been so much fun. It's so easy for me to relate to them like opposite genders for some reason. Like we can joke around and have a lot of fun, almost like flirting. Um, And I think that trains them for like flirting and how you're interacting with the opposite gender and getting their attention. And I don't mean that in a weird way, but we as moms are training them what kind of wife do they want who do they want to date what are they looking for in the same way that dads are training their daughters how to date and so just being that role model in that way but the roles just change from when they're babies until they're adults so as we look at boys and raising boys i think it's interesting to think about how boys are portrayed in the bible the bible obviously has a lot to say about boys especially in the Old Testament, the importance of the firstborn and and having a boy to carry on sort of the family line and for the inheritance and all the things. You know, the culture in the Old Testament, the dads were around all the time for the most part. They were working as farmers or working as herders or uh, just doing whatever they were doing. And often I think the boys would join their dad at work at a fairly young age. And so they were getting... Uh, a lot of attention from dad and uh, see, getting a lot of experience and time, just time with dad. So I think one thing that in our culture today that really hinders a boy's ability to 
to learn as much as they can from dad is just that lack of availability. Because, uh, for instance, especially if you homeschool and the mom's the one homeschooling, the dad's working, that boy is spending far more time with mom throughout the day when in previous eras, they would be spending all the, all that time, almost all that time with dad. So as dads, I think that it's important that we need to be very intentional about being available. Some of the content in this episode is going to be coming out of a book I've been reading called Point Man by Steve Farrar, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through it right now. And it's a very uh, good book on manhood and being a man and, and what the role of a man is in the family. And so some of the things I am going to talk about here are, 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 are coming from Steve's book, Point Man, and I would highly recommend that to any of the guys out there. So as far as being available, I think it's important as guys that we're very conscious about what is interfering with our availability, whether it's work or sports, whether we're playing them or just vegging out because we're so into some sport in particular, uh, maybe church even can be can be a hindrance. Uh, are, are we super caught up in some gym routine or we're training to run an Ironman or something like that and it's just consuming all of our time? Or maybe we have some addictions in our life that just completely interfere with our ability to have uh, time or at least certainly quality time uh, with our kids. And so I think we need to make sure that we're making healthy choices in our lives that give us the ability to be available. One of the things Steve said in his book is that um, quality time only happens during quantity time. And I know for Kristen, for us, uh, we have a hot tub at the house and that you know, was obviously a significant purchase for us a number of years back, but it's turned out to be a very uh, useful tool as far as being able to have that quantity time, which is turning into quality time often Mm -hmm. in that environment. Do you want to talk just a minute about sort of how that's played itself out? Sure. Uh, When we got the hot tub, it was, uh, we had done a backyard project. It was um, before COVID, but we ended up not getting it until after or during COVID, because everyone decided to get a hot tub during COVID. And uh, the idea was we were uh, had some teens. We were hoping to kind of make our house sort of the hangout house for the teens. And honestly, what's happened is they do not hardly ever have teen- their friends. They do occasionally have friends over to hot tub. But what's become of it is the Lord has sort of used it as an oasis for our family and we will go out there with the teen, mainly the boys in particular, Levi and Noah. Um, the younger two will go out, but it's like swimming. <laughs> it's not exactly relaxing in the hot tub, as you would imagine, with seven and 10-year-olds splashing around. But man, when we go out there with um, 18 and 15-year-old, which we've had it for maybe three or four years, so they you know, have entered teen years having that, They, we will sit out there many nights and they will just open up about what's going on in their lives. Mom, dad, what do you think about this? And it's not always like Jeremy and I are both going out there with them, but a lot of times it's, you know, me and Noah are out there alone or Jeremy's out there with Levi or we're both out there. It, you know, it just kind of depends, but it has been a great source of quantity time that has turned into quality time over the years and really being able to hear their hearts. Another thing I've 
um, read about boys or um, have experienced for myself with boys is they they do not necessarily want to have these direct face-to-face conversations with you where you just grill them about how's your day at school what's going on who, who is your friends what are you doing for this what sport do you like to play one tactic is having conversations with them in the car where they're um, kind of trapped by you because they're in the car but not having to like talk face to face it can just be a little bit more casual and I think that's sort of what the hot tub has been is just there's no agenda just more casual and for our hot tub the bubble cycle is 20 minutes and that's what we end up usually <laughs> when the bubbles turn off we're usually all hot and ready to get out so you know it's 20 minutes of just sitting there and some nights we're just sitting there and not much conversation but I don't think the boys feel this pressure that oh, there's an agenda out there. It's just hanging and, oh, okay, this came to my mind and I'm going to ask mom or dad about this. And same with driving in the car. So you don't have to have a hot tub. We're just using that as an example of like, do you have something at your house or some way or something they like to do that you can casually connect with them and they may just open up their heart to you in a casual context? So Jeremy, what are some of the perils that we as parents need to watch out for when raising our sons? Yeah, so there's a couple Bible verses that I know. Uh, I think Kristen, you probably, I, I've like in my head, I remember you're the one that always told me uh, re- recited these Bible verses. <laughs> Mostly now, I as far as our boys go, for some reason Noah and I uh, have had the most conflict, interpersonal conflict. Mostly because of personality, I think sort of differences over the years. I will say in the last year and a half or two years, I feel like him and I have um, overcome a lot of that. I, the, we, we definitely went through a short period where him and I were both very frustrated with each other most of the time. So just a couple of verses I want to share uh, relative to this are in Colossians 3.21. And this is... One of the verses that I, in my head, always hear Kristen saying is, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. And then the other verse I want to share is Ephesians uh, 6.4. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I think those verses really speak to the fact that we have to be uh, very careful in how we're training and bringing our boys up in particular, and our girls for that matter. But some of the perils, to answer your question, you know, Steve Farrar in his book points out uh, six things that we really need to be careful of as parents in raising our kids. First, we need to be careful that we're not overprotective of them. So we need to allow them to be kids and kids are gonna get hurt and you're gonna go to the ER. We've been to the ER many times and it just is what it is. But we live in a society that uh, in America, especially in the Western society, where we we don't feel like we should have to deal with pain. We really don't, you know, and if we do, we feel like generally we can fix it. Well, if you go over to other countries on the other side of the world, there's people living in crazy situations. You know, they it's not uncommon to lose kids. It's not uncommon to have a parent die young. And they just live a completely different life. And if you look at uh, the Old Testament culture, you know, same thing. You know, we just have we just have built lifestyles that have built built around comfort, and so we tend to overprotect our kids. 
And that can be a reinforcing cycle, so it's even worse in the next generation. And uh, then number two, uh, not showing favoritism. We need to be very careful as parents. You know, obviously there's, well, I think a lot of families have the joke on which kid is the favorite and uh, whatnot. And that goes all the way back to the Jacob and Esau times, you know, right? Who was the wife who wanted... Rebecca. Uh, so Rebecca favored Esau. No. <laughs> so Rebecca favored J- Jacob, even though Esau was the firstborn. And she tried to, she manufactured a way for him to steal the birthright from his older brother. So favoritism uh, has led to family destruction since very early on uh, in times. Uh, So number three is discouragement. We need to be very careful that we're encouraging our kids, uh, especially our boys, uh, not discouraging them. So I know when they come upstairs super excited to show you their new Lego thing after you just walked in from work, you need to match their excitement and be excited about that thing that they did, even though you could care less, you know, it's at least that's maybe your first uh, inclination. And I know I'll sometimes walk in the door and I'll, and I'll immediately see Kristen give me the look like, you better be excited about what your kids are about to show you. <laughs> well, it seems we've got a lot to say about raising boys. Jeremy, let's go ahead and pause there since this episode is going long. And let's continue with the rest of the perils in a part two of this episode on raising boys.